Glad to see you here this morning in Counter Church. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13 if you're not there already. Uh, we've been traveling through the book of Acts, and we've been, as Jesse has mentioned already, and Bill, I need my clicker, it seems to have disappeared. Um, as, as we have uh, been going through the book of Acts, we've been reminded how we are indeed uh, witnesses. Uh, we are witnesses in the world in which we live. And so Acts 13 is where we find ourselves. Uh, I would encourage you to make sure you have a, have a copy of God's Word uh, there in front of you or some way that you can follow along. Uh, it just makes it easier for all of us uh, as we study and open God's Word. So Acts chapter 13. We're taking a smaller chunk of Scripture this morning. I know over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been trying to make it through large sections of Scripture. And uh, this morning, we will uh, meditate and consider just a few verses today from the beginning of Acts chapter 13. Follow along with me as I begin reading in verse 1. It says, Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. This morning I wonder, as we consider these few verses, I wonder, is God calling you to be a missionary? Is God calling you to be a missionary? I know we've been thinking about the importance of witnessing and sharing the gospel with uh, those within our communities here in J-Town. Uh, here, in the, here in the metro area and beyond. But I wonder, is maybe God prompting in some of your hearts to, to take the gospel beyond the city limits, to take the gospel to other parts of the state, other parts of our country, maybe even other parts of the world? Up to this point in our study of the book of Acts, we see that evangelism has been taking place. They have been fulfilling that word of instruction that Jesus gave them, where he said, you will be my witnesses. So all of that, that word of instruction is to us as well. So up to this point in our study, they've been taking part in that, and a lot of the the spread of the gospel, the spread of the good news of a risen Savior has taken place as a result of the persecution. And so as the, as the opponents of Jesus and his followers, as they, 
as they increased in their opposition and their determination to squelch out this Christian, this Jesus movement, uh, it caused a scattering of the believers into other other areas of that region, other cities, and, and into the countryside, and, and they took the gospel with them, right? They did that. And so up to this point, we've not really seen an intentional effort to do what we would call send missionaries, people who are leaving, who are being sent by a church, not because of persecution, but for the intention for the specific purpose of taking the gospel to places and to people that have never heard the good news of a risen Savior before. And we get this glimpse here in these verses of two men, actually three men, and, and probably even a few others, as John, John Mark is mentioned there in verse 5, as they are sent out. But specifically, we see... Paul and Barnabas identified as some of those first, what we would call, foreign missionaries. And I think a challenge to some of us here this morning, and I'm, I'll certainly be addressing some of the young folks here, but that's not the only folks who I'll be addressing. I'll be addressing some of the older folks too, because maybe God is calling you into some type of season of missionary service. And it doesn't all have to be going over into Africa, living in grass huts. Uh, but there are a lot of other ways that even, that many of us can participate in the work of foreign missions. I see Randy sitting back there, right? Randy is so faithful. Randy is a man who is familiar with foreign missions. He's a missionary. He's what we would call a missionary. And he does that. And so this morning, I'm just wondering, maybe God would be prompting in some of, some of your hearts that maybe God is prompting you to consider foreign missions. Now, I'm going to try to make this because I'm not just addressing, uh, not just addressing those who, are, who, are, who sense maybe they're being called into foreign missions. I want to address all of us in that what we see in this text, it's almost like there was a suddenness to the spirit calling Paul and Barnabas to be these foreign missionaries, uh, that the Holy Spirit presents this word of instruction to these church leaders to set these men apart. And that Paul and Barnabas, clearly God had prepared them for this task. And so really the angle, the consideration that I'd like for us, for all of us here this morning to take as we look at this passage is that all of us should be preparing our own selves for the possibility that God might prompt in the church, prompt in our hearts to be called into missionary service. I know, right? Some of you, those of you who are marking out your, your career path as you are in college or as you're thinking about college or maybe you're marking out your marriage life as Addie and Trent are about to make that big commitment here in just a few weeks, right? You're, you're getting it all, thinking you're getting it all laid out. And yet, what if God steps into that, into those plans and maybe kind of upsets your apple cart a little bit and God says, but I have 
greater plans in mind for you. And I'm going to call you into foreign missions. So the, the approach this morning is for us to look and to consider how should we be preparing ourselves, all of us, how should we all be preparing our own selves for the possibility that God might very well call you into missionary service? The big idea for this morning's sermon is this, is that we should be ready to go when and where the Lord sends you. That we should all, every one of us, should be ready to go when and where the Lord sends you. Again, there seems to almost be a suddenness in God sending and God calling Paul and Barnabas into missionary service. And this morning, we're going to see what maybe we should be doing as a church body, as individual members of this church, so that we can be ready when God says, it's time for you to go. You can say, I'm ready. Lord, send me. And the first observation that we make from this passage of, of how we can be preparing ourselves to be ready to go where and when God send us, sends us is that we should recognize the importance of regular and ordinary church practices. What we see here in Acts 13 is it provides us a glimpse into the life of the early church. Luke highlights in these few verses the important practices of those church leaders. He lists five names there. He lists some of those important practices not only of the pastors, but as of the church body as well. These, these practices were not simply reserved for the pastors, but we see it in other places of the book of Acts, how the church as a whole participated in many of these regular church practices. And here in these verses, some of the church practices that we can identify that they were just regularly doing is they were studying God's word, right? There were prophets and teachers, it says. So as a church, they made it a regular practice to be involved in studying God's word. It says that they also were worshiping or ministering to the Lord by serving one another. We see that, that these, these, these prophets and these teachers and these members of the church, it says there in verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord. Another way in which, you, in which uh, some, some translations might have while they were ministering to the Lord or while they were serving the Lord, and we're going to talk briefly about the importance of serving and ministering to other believers within the church. Another one of these important church practices that we should be involved with is that of fasting, right? It says that they set apart as they're sending the, these missionaries, they were fasting. And then finally, the fourth regular practice they did is that they were praying. Again, these are ordinary rhythms of the church. These are ordinary rhythms that you and I should be involved with on a regular basis. That these ordinary rhythms of the church life prepare us and equip us for God to send us. Most of the Christian life, believe it or not, 
most of the Christian life and the, and the life of the church body is defined by ordinary practices, right? Practices that we regular enter in, regularly we enter into them and repeat the, we repeat these practices day after day, week after week, Sunday after Sunday. And sometimes we forget that when through these practices, through serving other people, through fasting, through, through praying, through sitting under the teaching of God's word, that these practices are indeed shaping our hearts. And not only that, these practices have a way of sustaining us spiritually. And they're regular. And at times, they might seem a bit monotonous. Let's face it, right? When you sit down at a, a meal, not every meal is a seven-course meal that you're going to take a picture of and put on your Facebook page, is it? Right? Sometimes these meals, what, what are they? Maybe they're leftovers. Maybe it's just a plain old box of generic macaroni and cheese, right? Nothing, unless you're my son Anders, that's really nothing much to, to write home about. So much of what sustains us physically, honestly, is just rather mundane and ordinary, but it's regular and we enter into it. And the same is true with a lot of these practices that we see here. Again, the, the, this verse gives us a glimpse into these practices of, of a church. And this first practice is that of studying God's word. Again, we're given a list of prophets and teachers. It's mentioned there in verse 1, and it emphasizes the important role of, of proclaiming God's word, of explaining God's word, of sitting under the authority of God's word and allowing God's word to change our hearts. Right? We know that uh, these prophets and these teachers, they, they, they played an important role within that early church. And still today, teachers and preachers continue to play an important role within the church body. And it's through this instruction of God's word that our hearts are prepared to serve God in even greater capacity. So I, I encourage you, make study of God's word a regular practice in a corporate way. I would encourage you to get involved in a discipleship group or one of the encounter groups that meet as a way in which you can get even more deeper in God's word and be held accountable on that. Another one of these regular practices that we see here is that of serving others. Again, it's in, in the NIV, it's translated as worship or ministry. The word gives us uh, the understanding of a person who is serving the Lord by using their gifts. Did you know when we, when we use our gifts in service to the Lord, it's a way of worshiping God? This is a means of ministry that ultimately is offered in service to the Lord. The early church was using the gifts God had given them to serve each other. The church was rolling up their sleeves and they were taking part in regular and ordinary acts of selfless service. Let's face it, many of the ways in which we serve within the church will never become a viral video on social media. And, and, and in that, God is preparing you to be ready to serve him in greater ways. I listed out just several ways in which 
many of you have stepped into this regular rhythm, this regular practice of serving other people. And this is just within the last week. Our students on Friday night, my good, can we just, can we just give the students a round of applause for a great evening? These students were serving the community. They were serving the community. Some of us had, 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 had people who, who have yet to believe in Jesus Christ, who came and were served, were ministered by, to, you ministered to them by serving them a bowl of chili and a piece of cake. And it was w- such a wonderful opportunity, right? And, and, and what you're doing is, God is God's preparing your heart to be ready, to be sent, to go wherever and whenever God might call you. I also think there was a group of, I don't know, there may have been 10 or so folks who showed up at Steve and Linda Dill's house yesterday uh, afternoon and got the garden tools out and got the, the, the weeding gloves on and spent two hours there just doing probably several days worth of labor, helping Steve and Linda, encouraging them. And like Linda mentioned to me just this morning, she said, Michael, that was a witness to my neighbors. As her neighbors are probably peeking out their windows thinking, what and who just showed up at the Dill's front yard? That's a, that, that's a regular practice. That's, that's a rhythm that we enter into. Or I think of Vonda and Phil and Sandy who came to the chili supper, but then they were lingering long afterwards because they were in charge of cleaning the church so that it might be clean for you this morning. And, and they lingered long after the chili was over. They helped tear down everything after the chili supper, right? So many of you students and some of you parents, you stayed around too and helped clean up. But then, right, as, as, as my wife and our family, as we're leaving, there's two ladies that are cleaning those bathrooms for you so they don't smell. And in there is Vonda and Sandy doing some of those tasks that so few people want to do. Or I think of Katie Fay, who has carried on that tradition that her mother has set for her of just quietly there in the kitchen doing all of those dirty dishes. She's not making any special announcement about it. She's not saying, hey guys, I'm heading back to do the dishes. She's just quietly serving the Lord. In thankless ways, none of you would have ever known that she was doing that if I hadn't just mentioned it to you. But these are regular rhythms, or, or here's one more, even just the, the way of serving and ministering to each other through handwritten note cards. Many of us, rem- we, we know Sean, right? We miss having Sean here at the church. Sean is still in the hospital. Sean continued to pray for Sean. A week ago, I, took, I went up to visit Sean, and Joyce Nichols had written a note card to Sean. And I took it to Sean, and I said, Sean, I said, Joyce Nichols has given you a card. And he wasn't exactly sure who Joyce was, but in, in referring to her as the donut lady, that got Sean's attention. He knew who I was talking about then. And I gave Sean this 
this small act of ministry, of serving. And he took this card, he looked at it, he held on to it as if I had just handed him a million dollar bill. Our service to the Lord matters. We're making an eternal impact in the lives of other people when we worship the Lord through serving Him and God is using that service. We see it here, right? What, what did the church do? They served one another. So that way when God calls these people out and says, I'm, I'm going to send you, then you can be ready. I can assure you, if you can't, if you can't with a joyful heart scrub dishes unannounced in a kitchen, then you will not be ready to be used by God as a missionary in his service in faraway lands. Because it is often a forgotten and a thankless task. And maybe God is preparing you to enter into foreign missions. The next practice we see here that they did is that they prayed, right? We see that, that, that these, these church leaders, this church, what did they do? It says there in verse 3, so after they had fasted and, and prayed, right? They, they were fasting and they were praying. This first one, there's just prayer, right? Another regular and ordinary practice of the church is prayer. All throughout the book of Acts, the believers gathered to pray. It was regular. It was ordinary. From a human perspective, there does not seem to be a whole lot of excitement to it. Many of us, we might, in a, from a human perspective, we might think, well, I can think of a lot more fun things to do than gather with other believers to praise, right? From a human perspective, we, we tell ourselves that. But if you remember last Sunday, we learned that as the believers prayed, world powers were overcome. As Peter was released from prison, as the believers gathered to pray, you know, on the first Wednesday of the month, church, you hear us talking about this. And, and we're not just, we don't just do this just to fill another night of your busy schedules. We do this because we believe that God works through the prayers of his people. I don't understand it. I just know that it has to be true. And, and that's why we set aside that regular, that regular practice, that ordinary practice of gathering together as a church on that first Wednesday of the month. We eat together. All right, so we're not fasting. <laughs> we, we eat together. And then we pray together and this Wednesday might I just invite and and encourage each of us to step into that we have no idea in the in the timeline of eternity how God is going to use the prayers of the people of Encounter Church we have no idea All right we might be saying but we've been praying we've been praying we've been praying it doesn't seem like anything's happens we have no idea what God is doing behind the scenes. 
This is a regular and ordinary, and, and it prepares us to be ready for God to call us to even greater responsibilities and opportunities. And then the finally, the last one then is fasting, right? It says that they prayed and they fasted. This was a regular and ordinary practice of the church. We're reminded that Jesus instructed his followers there in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, when you fast, right? There's no direct commandment of 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 what that rhythm or what that pattern of fasting should look like we just know that Jesus he acknowledged he 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 expected that as his followers we would participate in fasting see fasting has a way of reorienting our hearts it helps us to not be carried away or 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 to be a slave to our desires Fasting is a spiritual feast in which God nourishes our soul more than anything in this world. Fasting helps us to grow in our hunger for God. It serves as a physical reminder of our spiritual dependence on the Lord and his good hand. You see, it's when we fast that we deny the body so that we might fatten the soul. And we see that fasting in this church was a regular and ordinary practice of those believers. And that God used that not only in their hearts to prepare them for service so that they'll be ready to go when and where God might call them. But we also know that God uses that in the timeline of his eternal plan. What we notice is that the Antioch church was busy in the regular practice of of, of these activities, right? As as so often we do get busy, don't we? We get busy with so many things. And I wonder, have you, are you you preparing yourself to respond with a Lord, send, send me, I'm ready, by participating regularly in these activities, we should be choose to be faithful in these regular and ordinary practi- practices, these rhythms of the church today. You see, God's eyes are on those who are faithfully doing what they can do today, right where you're at in this season of life. It could be that God's will for your life in the future is benefited by your faithfulness to God's will for your life today. That God is preparing you. Well, uh, the next observation that we see, okay, so this is the first way. How how can we prepare ourselves to be ready so that maybe God would call one of us out of the church and send us away as a foreign missionary? The the next one way that we can prepare ourselves to be ready to go whenever and wherever God might send us is that we should strive to be set apart from the world. In verse 2, the Holy Spirit instructed the church to set apart Barnabas and Saul for a specific work that he has called them to. You see, God was laying claim to Barnabas and Paul as his holy possessions for his holy purposes. These men were singled singled out by God, and they were called into a specific ministry for the purpose of taking the gospel to the Gentiles, and, and this, this calling resulted, as we'll see then, uh, the, the book will continue to describe for us three different missionary journeys 
that Paul takes around this region, fulfilling and, and, and responding to God's call to him to be a missionary. You see, this was a task to, to go into foreign missions that God had in mind for these men. And before Barnabas and Saul could fulfill this ministry opportunity, they had to be willing to separate themselves from other distractions and temptations. See, God was calling these men to deny themselves, to take up their cross, and to follow Jesus. Now, we know that all of us will not be set apart for foreign missions. But all of us should certainly be, be pursuing a life of being set apart from this world so that we can be ready to be sent if God would call us into foreign missions. Right? There's, we, we understand that that every day we should make the decision to choose to be set apart, to be different from this world in which we live. We should stop compromising with evil. We should stop dabbling in sin. We should... Refrain from making excuses for our negligence in pursuing holiness. But if we're going to be ready to be sent to, to go where, wherever and whenever God might call us, that we should be preparing for that potential call even now by choosing to live lives that are different, that are set apart, that in our desires, our actions, and our motives, we should be set apart. Even while living in this world, we should not be of this world. So think about your life. How are you different than the world? Is there a, is there a difference in how you live between you and your coworker, between you and your neighbor? Are you set apart in your entertainment choices? Would you dare to refrain from going to a movie? Because you know it's not, it's not helping your heart be ready to serve God. Are you set apart in your relationships? The people you spend the most time with the people who you allow to have access into your life, who you are going to for encouragement and support, are they, are they pushing you toward Christ so that you can be set apart, so that you can be ready? Are you set apart in your thoughts and what you're allowing to feed and fuel your thoughts? Are you set apart in your motives and your ambitions? College student, what's your ambition? What's your motive? What goal are you driving toward? Are you aiming after? 
Is, is, is it an ambition and a motive to serve God wherever and whenever he might call you? Or have you bought into what we often call just the American dream? See, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 promises that we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that verse, that every follower of Jesus, God has good works in mind for us. That God has specific ministry tasks ready and waiting. And it should be our desire to set ourselves apart to enter into those those tasks, enter into that calling. Our effectiveness in taking the gospel to the world requires that we be set apart from the world so that we can be set apart unto the Lord. Church, we should not expect God to set us apart for greater ministry service tomorrow if we're not willing to set ourselves, ourselves apart from the world today. Church, I wonder, are we going to be ready to go when and where God might send you. The next then is that we should seek to know God's missionary heart. We see in this verse that that God displays himself as having a missionary heart. Look there in verse 2. We read that it was the Holy Spirit who initiated this missionary endeavor. It wasn't the apostles. It wasn't the church pastors. It wasn't them coming up with some, some great ministry scheme or some sort of model, but instead it says that the Holy Spirit initiated this, called Paul and Barnabas to go on a missionary journey. It was God the Holy Spirit who sent these men. And so what do we see? We see that God has a heart for those who are far from him. And oftentimes those who are far from him might be far away from us. Taking the good news of Jesus' resurrection to the Gentiles was God's idea. And the Holy Spirit initiated the call. Not only did the Holy Spirit initiate the call, but it also says there in verse 4 that it was through the Holy Spirit that Barnabas and Paul were then sent out. Look there, it says the two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. This was the... Being, if, if this were the, being the, the first team of missionaries, right? As, as they get on that boat, they have the Holy Spirit filling the sails of their boat, leading them, going with them. We're reminded that God has a missionary heart for all people. Missions is an expression of God's desire that the good news of Jesus would be declared so that God would be worshipped and glorified by all people of all nations. Consider Jesus' words in Luke chapter 19. The Son of Man came, why? To seek and to save the lost. In John 20, Jesus again says, as he's speaking to his disciples, he says, peace be with you. Listen to this. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, right? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, I am what? 
I am sending you. And with that, Jesus breathed on these disciples and they received, there it is, the Holy Spirit. Or in Revelation 7, that Jesse referred to that wonderful book, and I will plead the fifth right now on when we, when we will go through the book of Revelation. But in Revelation chapter 7, we are given a glimpse of heaven where John says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. See, God has a missionary heart and so should every believer. We should seek to align our hearts more and more with God's missionary heart and ask God to help us become more involved with His work, both across the street or in our neighborhoods or serving at the dills or other ways, in those ways, but also around the world. And again, all of this, these are practices that all of us can do right now, today. So that we too might be ready to go when God calls us wherever and whenever. And then the fourth one then is this. What else can we do? To prepare our own hearts to be ready? We can also support those who are on the mission field. The first three verses of Acts chapter 13, uh, you might almost say that it was a missionary commissioning service or a missionary sending service. We see that it was only several individuals who were sent out on this missionary journey. Three names are mentioned specifically. Barnabas, Saul, or Paul, Paul, the same person, Barnabas and Paul, and then later John Mark. They got on that boat and they sailed away. So only several were sent which, which left a congregation, a church, filled with people who were supporting them from home. It's true that not everyone in the church is going to be set apart for missionary service. And some of you right now are breathing a sigh of relief. Just be careful if you just breathe a sigh of relief. God might have something different in mind for you. While not everyone was sent, all the church did corporately commit to supporting and standing with them. Verse 3 tells us that after they had fasted and prayed, what did the church do? They placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Placing their hands on them by believing, by the believers, putting their hands on them and praying for them, they were coming together and they were letting Barnabas and Saul know that they were, they were getting behind their ministry, they were endorsing their ministry, that they would support their work, that they would pray for their usefulness and service to the Lord. We see that the church, church there in Antioch stepped out in faith, willing to give away some of their key leaders to God for the good of the nations, for the good of those who had yet to hear the gospel. These believers in Antioch, what were they able to do? They were able to think beyond themselves and they were willing to support and stand with these men in the missionary calling to advance the gospel. 
I think of it this way. If God's, if God's heart is a missionary heart, and if he sends men and women for specific tasks of missionary service, they're doing a work that is Holy Spirit empowered, that's backed by Jesus' authority, then that means we too should stand and support and encourage foreign missions. That we should get behind them. Right, Randy back there, he's inside probably just jumping up and down thinking, well, let's go ahead and pass the, the financial offering plate and let's see how this goes. But we should support them. We should pray for them. We should be generous with them. As well as we support our missionary, missionaries, I, I think other ways that maybe we can also even get in line with, with God's missionary heart is, is that we can allow ourselves to, to, to train our minds to think in that way. I, I'm, a few suggestions that I have is, is I wonder as, as individuals or even as families, are we reading missionary biographies? Are we reading stories of those who have gone before Right? Parents, we should be helping our children to have heroes who are not YouTubers or TikTok sensations. That we should be dipping back into the history of the church and the history of these missions. And we should be putting before them true heroes. We should be praying regularly for these missionaries. We should be giving generously to them. We might even consider watching movies about missionaries. Two movie titles that come to mind right away are Beyond the Gates of Splendor, the story of Jim Elliot, or The End of the Spear, the story of Jim Elliot's missionary friend, Nate Saint, where we too might be compelled We, we can serve at local missionary organizations. We have the Lifeline missionary organization that Jesse takes our students to. We have team expansion that Laura and Michelle are a part of, missionary and sending organizations that we can become more involved with. Church, another really easy way that we can allow God's heart of missions to become our heart of how we can also support other missionaries is by supporting our youth group as they go to Big Creek Missions. And students, as you prepare, you'll be going there in just, just over a month, right? As you prepare to go there, maybe, Jesse, maybe students, those of you who are going, maybe you would even enter into a, a focused time of prayer and fasting that God will not only use you to minister to the people there, but that God would maybe speak to your heart in a unique way that maybe he too would call you to foreign missions. Again, that we would be ready to answer the call to go when and where God sends us. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that we should pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. Are you ready? Is it your ambition to be ready 
to answer that call if God should move this Holy Spirit in such a way to call you into foreign missionary service. Amy Carmichael, a missionary in India for 55 years, opening up an orphanage and starting a mission there in India, she said, God delights to meet the faith of one who looks up to him and says, Lord, you know that I can't do this. But I believe you can. Or Jim Elliott, the missionary I mentioned earlier, a missionary to the Aka Indians in Ecuador. He and five others were killed by the Aka people. Jim Elliott was only 28 years old when he died. Elizabeth Elliott, Jim's wife, widowed wife, returned, later returned to Ecuador to minister to some of the very same people there, some of those who had killed her husband and the other, the other four missionaries. And Jim Elliott said this, missionaries are very human folks just doing what they are asked Missionaries are simply a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt the somebody. He said, I only hope that God will let me preach to those who have never heard the name of Jesus. What else, Jim says, what else is worthwhile in this life? I've heard of nothing better. Lord, send me. Church, as we see Paul and Barnabas and John sent off into foreign missions, I wonder if maybe all of us should prepare our own hearts to be ready to go when and where the Lord sends you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you uh, for this instruction from your word. And God, now I pray that your spirit would uh, have his way in this congregation. And that in the coming days and weeks and months and even years, Lord, that you would raise up Individuals who, are, who, would, who would respond to your call into missionary service as foreign missionaries, whether it be abroad or with another organization here in the States. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would work in that way. And I pray specifically for the students. God, that uh, you would help them to understand the importance of what they're doing God, that this trip would not just uh, simply be an emotional um, mountaintop experience. Or God, that there would somehow be some sort of selfish satisfaction of serving other people. But instead, God, that you truly would use this trip to work in their hearts, to draw them de into a deeper relationship with you and that you might even use it and that some of them would commit to full-time missionary service because of it. 
And God, we know that it's the leading of your spirit. So Lord, help us to be attentive to the spirit's leading in our hearts and in your congregation here. And I pray this in Jesus' name.